So at the beginning of Canto 17 of The Paradise, Dante has just heard Catua Guida's account of the fall of Florence in the generations between the time of his great-great-grandfather and his own. It's not a curse of Florence as he had felt in Inferno. It's not a lament of Florence as he'd felt in the Purgatory. This is laying out how Florence has fallen, what it has lost, how it has become uncoupled from its source, from its God, seeing it clearly as it is. And Dante begins the paradise by saying he felt like Phaeton, who wanted to know about his father, Apollo, from mythology. Um, it didn't go well for Phaeton, um, and this is the sense that what does this mean for him now comes up profoundly, quickly, fully in his mind. He's in the heaven of Mars. He knows, I think, now that to see things clearly, rather than lamenting, rather than cursing, takes a new set of virtues. And in particular, in Mars, it brings to mind the virtue of courage, of the ability to not cling just to your own mortal life, but to be able to see through to the divine life, which often feels like the mortal life must be let go of, sacrificed, not possessed, um, but move through in order to see the wider life. And this is very difficult, it's troubling, it's easy to say, but very hard to do. And Beatrice notice, no, notices how Dante is now seeking to face this head on. And she says to him, I see this, there's nothing you can add that I don't already know because of this divine telepathy in heaven. But yet she says, speak your words so that we may hear you articulate your thirst, so that you may articulate it yourself in order that it may be quenched. This is rather a beautiful moment that speaking what you're feeling is to ask, and to ask is to receive. And that is the promise of heaven, and that even though in mortal life it can be very hard to know how suffering will be met. In heaven, it begins to be seen here in the sphere of Mars that is actually leading to a wider, more expansive life. And so Dante does speak out and he tells Caccia Guida that as he has been traveling, particularly as he has been ascending Mount Purgatory, he has heard that his future life after 1300, between the time of the setting of the Divine Comedy and his death in 1321. Things will go very badly for him in earthly terms. In particular, he will face exile on pain of terrible death and he will lose his city that he has loved for all its failings. He will lose companionship, friendship, all that he holds most dear and have to travel in strange and foreign places where he can never be sure whether he's welcomed or not. And it's a really interesting request to Caccio Guida to know more about this fate, to know more about this fortune. Because as you remember, he's met diviners before, he's met those who try to discern the future before. And it's a risky business. 
And I think here we see a little bit more about why it's a risky business, because the temptation is to know the future in order to try and control the future, in order to try and possess it, to hedge it, not to say yes to whatever it brings, which ultimately is to say yes to whatever divine life brings. And so conversely, to say no to a future that's foretold is to say no to divine life. So we have here Dante now in heaven seeking to divine the future in order that he may be prepared to face that future fully, whatever it may bring, that he may have the qualities, particularly of Mars, of courage, of being able to let go that which seems most dear to him in order that that which is even dearer may come. It's the, the good use of divining the future as opposed to um, the divining which, particularly in the Inferno, had caused the souls there so much trouble because it had ultimately left to them becoming uncoupled from divine life. I remarked earlier that some have seen signs of initiation rituals here in the sphere of Mars, where the initiate first of all faces all that is going to be bad in their life, difficult in their life, going to bring suffering, ultimately going to lead to death. But it's having faced that full on that they can see there's more to life. And I think this is Dante making that turning point now. This is the tropological moment in his facing the future of Florence. It's the way that the ascent and the descent are so intimately linked again, that in a way Caccio Guida's speech has been him descending now in order that he may learn how to ascend, what that's going to take from him, what that's going to take of him. But he can say yes to it, partly because there will be moments of grace, there will be moments of welcome and hospitality, even during his exile. And the way to understand these is not to cling to them as if they're a root out of the wider difficulty, but to see them as signs of the love that will carry on even through the suffering of the divine life that ultimately can't be taken away. And Cacioguida's first remark to Dante is this quite general point. He says that although human life, mortal life, can feel full of contingencies, can feel full of even random acts that have no meaning. From the divine perspective, things look very different. It's not, interestingly, Caccia Guida says, that God forces all things by a kind of divine necessity. It's not that everything is preordained. There is genuine novelty, much as there's genuine creativity in life. But what the divine perspective brings, he says, is a bit like watching a boat moving down a river from high up on a cliff. From that perspective, everything can be foreseen, much as the river can be seen ahead, even whilst the person travelling in the boat wonders what's going to happen next, and their skill at navigating the river is fully required and demanded. And this relationship between contingency and divine omniscience, being able to see all things, being able to divine the future, actually comes from Boethius, who made a similar point that 
contingency and seeming necessity are actually to do with different viewpoints and the divine viewpoint from high above, as it were, that sees everything in the round, sees the past and the future quite as much as the present, leads to the divine omniscience about what's going to happen. Not because the divine causes all things directly to happen in a kind of push-pull sort of idea of cause and effect. Um, the divine sustains all things for sure, um, but because of the viewpoint of the divine, so this is a really beautiful way, I think, of putting how our action in life truly matters. The person we're becoming in life truly matters. Our virtues that Dante's learning about here truly matter. And they're still part of the divine whole, as Caccia Guida sees now, and as we too will see one day when we gain the perspective that Dante's been offered a glimpse of here in the sphere of Mars. And then Caccia Guida says to Dante, you're right, the things that you have picked up, particularly from the prophecies on Mount Purgatory, are true. You will lose all that you hold dear, you will have to keep unsavoury company. It will feel like your life is fully falling apart, like any divine blessing you had earlier in your life has been removed and taken from you. But, Catcher Guida says, this is a moment as he puts it, to become your own party, to become your own party. And this is a crucial sort of step for Dante to learn here in the sphere of Mars, because I think that's a reference to how he had felt he was a member of the party of the Guelphs and the white Guelphs in particular. But he must now become his own party. He must, as it were, at least in his own mind, pull back from the group, pull back from the mass collective crowd mentality that becomes so dominant and powerful, particularly in times of cultural war or civil war, and learn something of himself, which I think reflects back to an earlier comment that Caccia Guidia had made, and where he said that we are more than we are. I am more than I am, um, with the echo there of the divine I am that there's a part of us that is connected to the divine life, the immortal aspect of our soul, which can never be undone by what happens in life, can never be undone even when we get swept along um, by the seeming truths of the moment and pushed along by those around us. Um, we can hold on to that perspective, which much like the perspective from the top of the cliff that sees the contingencies of life in the round can hold on to a steady point, a divine point. And that, Caccia Guida says, is part of what Dante can learn in his exile, that he can become a party of his own. He can know that his I amness, his own particularity, his own path, difficult though it is, is his manifestation and reflection of the divine I am. It's a crucial, crucial part of learning of the immortal within us and also going through this initiation rite to realign ourselves towards that aspect of ourselves so that we live from that aspect of ourselves regardless of what happens in life. Another crucial virtue that Caccia Guida underlines is he also tells Dante that there will be people who will look after you. He particularly refers to the great Lombard 
who was one of the individuals that took Dante in, and then also his son, who became quite a saviour figure, I think, a hope for the future in Dante's mind. And Cacciaguida, I think, stresses to Dante that, that we should be grateful, he should be grateful for these individuals. We should see divine life shown towards us in them. Um, it's part of saying yes to life. Um, saying, uh, showing this gratitude for these moments, but again, realizing that they're part of the earthly flux too. Um, so there's a balance here, this detachment of receiving them as much as trying to ride the waves of suffering, um, but letting them come and go as well. And another way that Cacciaguida puts this to Dante is that he says, you must not envy your neighbors. Dante, in the remaining part of his mortal life, will be tempted to envy those whose lives do seem to be going well, um, who have material success too. Maybe even more importantly for Dante, seem to have the success of renown and fame and glory, uh, which of course is so intimately caught up in Dante's own vocation and desire to express divine truth, um, but to do it as a great poet, um, which he needs to do, but which can also be his undoing. So Cacciaguida says, watch those moments of envy when you cover what your neighbour has, when you are jealous for what your neighbour has. You know, it can move to that point where you want things to be ruinous for your neighbour because they seem to be ruinous for yourself as well. Cacciaguida says, don't do that because you can know now that you're in paradise that there is an eternal fame, an eternal glory, an eternal welcome that is ready for you and that you can begin to feel even as you go through mortal life. Um, that's part of this divine aspect, waking up within him now as well, moving to the other side of this initiatory process. Then in the final section of the canto, Dante says to Cacciaguida that he's grateful to have had these things spoken so clearly and truthfully to him, but he says that he's a timid friend of the truth. It's a beautiful touching moment, a moment of vulnerability which can be expressed here in heaven. You know, courage and vulnerability, awareness of the two sides I think often go together. He says he's a timid friend of the truth particularly since he knows that he will return to life not only to face exile but also to write as best he possibly can about the things he has seen and he's worried about how this will be received Will it even be received at all? Will the divine comedy just be ignored? Because its truths are too harsh. There'll be too much for people to bear. This is the kind of reflection, even for us, but certainly for the people of Dante's time, that much as here in the sphere of Mars, he's having to bear harsh truths in order that he may rest on divine truth. So he wonders whether people will not be able to bear the truths that he must speak, even as his deeper motivation is to carry them towards the divine aspect within their lives, that they too can become a party of their own and known how their particular I amness reflects the I am. And Cacciaguida says to him, you must write what you have seen as you have seen it. He says, you must not tell lies. And Cacciaguida says that these words that you will write will seem like harsh punishment to many people. Some will ignore them, but some will take them in 
and like a bitter herb, he says, whilst at first it will seem hard to digest, it will become a nutrient for them. It will feed and foster that better angel of their nature. It will help their soul to expand and enlarge. So whilst not promising immediate happiness, it will gradually instill in them the sense that there is a wider delight, that there is a greater life, which can be learnt about, which can be discerned. And Kachigrida adds a final interesting detail. He says, that's why you've encountered so many great people, so that all people who will have heard of these great people can learn by their example of how what seems obscure in mortal life, difficult to understand, even impossible to endure, can be overcome. And the particular aspect of that, which Dante is learning about here in Mars, is that seeming fate is actually the chance to embrace your vocation, to become more than you are, to resist jealousy, to say yes to life, and so to become more aligned with the divine life.